Exploring the Prophetic is a conversation-based podcast that we want to invite you on this journey into people's lives in every sphere of society where they're sharing how they've heard God and what's happened as a result. I want to encourage you to come join the conversation. And this season, season three, we're specifically focusing on how when God speaks, there's breakthrough actions that happen that would have never happened if it wasn't for hearing from God in the first place. Before and after moments, what would take 20 years is happening in a second because beautiful believers are obeying the voice of God. Come join the conversation. Come join the narrative. God is speaking to you today. This week on Exploring the Prophetic, we're talking about breakthrough, of course. This is the theme of season three, but I just have this woman who is a friend of mine named Kim Moss coming on, and she's a prophet. She's somebody who really hears from God clearly, but I want to hear some of the origin story. What does it take when you have kids with somebody who's a drug addict and an alcoholic, and you hear from God to go back to them, and they don't change for over four years, and right when you're about to leave them, they encounter God too. I mean, this is how her story starts, her origin story. And then it goes all the way into now where she travels the nations and brings healing and prophetic words to nations. And I love the progressive story journey that she has and how she shares it. And I'm hoping to pull it all out of her for you today. So I want to encourage you to stay tuned. We have a brief uh, announcement for you. I love the theme of breakthrough because it's not just a buzzword in the Bible. It's one of the ways that God reveals himself. And I've written a new prophecy, prayer, and declaration book that's all about how to apply breakthrough in 12 areas of your life. So your family, your health, your business, your investments, your finances, of course. And so when you understand God who breaks through, that he actually has an investment in you as a son or daughter, that he is going to walk with you and navigate, not according to what you can receive by your man-made effort, but you're going to have a God result if he takes you through a God process. And Breakthrough is all about that. There's prophecies, prayers, and declarations for each of these areas that are gonna lead you on a journey of how to pray and having language and connection for ways to say things that you will feel empowered as your mind and your heart and your spirit line up and create a prayer or a declaration of breakthrough. So come get my book. It's everywhere books can be sold. You're gonna really enjoy this. We've been getting feedback that is phenomenal. And I wanna hear your feedback as well. Today on Exploring the Prophetic, you already know, I've already told you, we have Kim Moss on. But for those of you who don't know Kim, Kim is a friend that I met through some friends at church and also from friends around the world because, Kim, you're all over the place. And I love everything you've been doing. I already kind of went over, you know, who you are as far as a bio. But but you're just like, when people meet you, you're just such a good, warm nice, kind person. I love that about you. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> well, you've been, I mean, you've been busy. You've been going around and you've been seeing breakthrough and nations. You've been, you just wrote a book on, he, on the prophetic. You just, you see a lot of healings happen. You just got your doctorate okay. degree. I mean, you've been busy, but busy. you haven't always had um, this emphasis on ministry this way. You've, you've been in ministry, but the emphasis you have now is so different than what you used to have. And you hear from God really clearly, but it wasn't always that way. So where, where did the encounter begin that launched you? Well, actually, uh, the, counter, the encounter actually began when I was much younger many years ago. Um, I actually grew up not knowing that God could speak. Wow. And so, and now here I am, this is the focus of everything for me, that, that God's voice is heard and that, and that when God speaks, he changes everything and yes. it makes such a difference in my life, made such a difference in the people that I minister to. And I, I don't know anyone who doesn't want to hear what God is saying about them, to them, for them, you know, and, um, 
but early on in my life, um, I had I had grown up in a context that didn't practice hearing the voice of God, so I don't didn't really have any context for that. Yeah. I didn't have any context for really the Holy Spirit at all, and uh, so and I grew up in a nominal Christian household. Okay, and so my parents were believers. I was a believer. Uh, by the age of 13, but I didn't really walk with God or, or any of that kind of thing. And then I experienced a lot of trauma when I was in mm. my teenage years and um, culminating really when I was about 19. When I was 19, I'd been engaged for several years, actually about four years to oh, the wow. same young man, my high school sweetheart. And just before we got married, um, I was basically left at the altar. Oh. And it was a, it was an incredibly uh, heart-wrenching, rejecting experience for me. And uh, during that time, I actually had a nervous breakdown. And I would just sit in a dark room and weep and weep. Oh, and it's weep so sad for a little 19-year-old. Oh, it was so awful. It, and it just added to all the other things. You know, my, my father had left me when I was three years old, and so I was abandoned by my dad. So all of that, you know, it just compounds. And the enemy likes to remind you who you're oh, not yeah. and, and, and tell you that you are not worth anything. You're not worth sticking around for. So right after that season, it was at the end of about a year where I'd been through this nervous breakdown, I started coming out of it and I started dating again. And but I was living a very destructive life. I wasn't walking with the Lord at all, not even a little bit. I was experimenting with drugs and I was going to a lot of parties and I was dating around like crazy. And uh, I was really, I was a crazy person and I was on a very self-destructive path. And it was during that time that I actually was introduced to my husband, and he uh, and I had a blind date. Oh, wow. So we had a blind date, I got pregnant, and we got married in that order. Oh, my gosh. And about three months after we got married, um, you know, it had happened so fast, and I was in such a strange place. Um, I hadn't seen the signs. And about three months after we got married, I noticed that my, um, I, I, came to the understanding that my husband was an alcoholic and a drug addict and he was not a believer and things just were really hard and after our second child um, I just got to the place Sean I just I, I couldn't take it I just couldn't take it anymore it was so abusive he was gone drinking and doing drugs uh, very often and I was left home alone with the girls a lot and uh, I was working that at that time full-time and wow. so was he, but I was a nurse. It was a labor and delivery nurse. That was what I thought my calling was. Never was a dream of mine to be a minister. I, it wasn't even on my radar. And um, we were walking through this very, very dark, very abusive time. And at the end of about three and a half years, I decided I couldn't do it anymore. And I left and filed for a divorce. And it was ugly, bad, ugly, mm. dark, hard. I can't even... Ooh, it just was really, yeah. really, really hard time. And um, we'd been, we had been uh, separated for about six months, and I had moved a little ways away to just get away from him. And um, I was looking for a new job. And uh, I met a woman who was interviewing for her position at a doctor's office, and 
when I asked her in the interview why she was looking for a new position, she said that her and her husband were in that area to plant a vineyard church. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know what that meant. You know, I grew up, I grew up in a, in a very um, mainline Protestant church. Sure. I had no idea what a vineyard meant. I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. I didn't have any idea about Wimber or the Toronto outpouring or Pentecostalism. I had no context for that. So it didn't really mean anything to me. But I'll tell you what, that woman, she invited me to come over to her house for coffee. And I went over and I sat there and I poured out my heart and told her the whole ugly story. Wow. And it was ugly and it was dark. And she I just will never forget. It was really a turning point for me. She um, didn't judge me. She didn't tell me what a sinner I was. She didn't tell me how disappointing I was to God. Wow. I didn't need to know all that. I, I knew it in my heart already. She just um, prayed for me that day and then invited me to be a part of their church. Huh. And I, I was like, I'm the chief of sinners. You want me to be a part of your church? This is very different for me. And um, so I went to her church. I went to their church two times. I helped, you know, put up the chairs in the auditorium. The, it was like in a school auditorium. And all As that. all the vineyards used to be. <laughs> right. And uh, I bought a Bible. I hadn't read my Bible since I was probably 13 or 14 years oh, old. Wow. And I was sitting in my uh, apartment, um, which was, you know, dingy and sparse because... I had no money. I was working two or three jobs and I had one Sunday off a month because my husband couldn't pay me child support. We were separated and I'm trying to support myself and my two girls. And um, I sat down. It was, it was a Sunday afternoon. I opened up my Bible and I heard the audible voice of God and it freaked me out, completely mm. freaked me out. I didn't know God could speak. I didn't know that he would speak. Did you know it was him though? Did you find him to speak? Huh? Did you fundamentally know it was him, though, when you heard him speak? I did. I knew because he said one sentence to me. He just said, um, if you go home, I'll take care of everything. And that was all he said. But it was so, I can't even describe to you what it was like to hear this voice. It was like, it was like, in it filled up everything outside of me and everything inside of me at the same time. Wow. And it was so loud that it was almost difficult to hear the words, but I absolutely knew what he just said. And when I got over the shock of the of of hearing his voice, then I was just angry. I got so angry. And I stood up from my chair and I was walking and ranting and raving around my my living room, just going, Do you have any idea what you are asking of me? Wow. Do you know how hard that was do you have any idea how hard that has been and do you understand that he has not changed not one bit and um he didn't say another word and i had this knowing you know in that time i had no context what all was going on for sure i didn't i didn't understand the revelatory nature of god's voice and visitation you know but i had this knowing that at that moment i had a choice to to make and I was at a fork in the road I was either going to follow God or I was going to do my own thing and it was probably going to be for the rest of my life 
And so I obviously I made my decision. I went to the phone right in that moment. I called my husband. He hadn't heard from me for months. And I just said, when you pick up the kids, would you like to meet for dinner? And I, he thought I was absolutely crazy. But um, we met for dinner. And, um, and I know we had an angelic visitation because um, we were sitting at dinner with our two kids, our two little girls. They were, they were one and three. And uh, we hadn't sat together in, oh, my goodness, more than six months. Wow. And while we were sitting at dinner, this little old lady came out of nowhere. She came up to the table, right up to the table, and she looked at us and she said, oh, my dears, I had to come and tell you, you are the most beautiful family I have ever seen. And she walked away. And when I went outside, I couldn't find her. Mm. And I feel like we had an angelic visitation. And um, we reconciled that weekend and um, I'd like to say it was all over by then, but uh, for four years, nothing happened. And wow. I started back to church. I started reading my Bible every day. I prayed. I prayed for my husband. Nothing changed. And uh, four years later, it was the night before Thanksgiving. You know, Thanksgiving is really hard for any family who has alcoholics or drug addicts in their families. And... Um, He'd been out all night, and I was up all night, and I was laid out on my bedroom floor. My children, now I had three children, they were asleep in the back room. And I am just weeping before the Lord all night long, saying, You promised, you promised. Wow. I thought I heard your voice, you promised. I'd gone for four years in the strength of that one word, one time that I heard the voice of God, and I hadn't heard him again. And... Um, when I got up in the morning, I was going to leave. I was just done. I couldn't do it anymore. But when my husband came in, he said, I know you're about to leave me, but I'm asking you to stay because something has happened. Wow. And uh, I didn't want to hear then. A few weeks later, we sat down and we talked about it. And he said on the way home in the wee hours of the morning, I mean, you know, he'd been out all night. So it was like 7 a.m. or something. He was on his way home. And he said that um, this presence filled the car. And he knew it was Jesus. And he heard the voice of the Lord on the inside. And he said he heard the voice say, um, you're about to lose everything you've ever loved. And if you don't give your life into my hands, I'm not going to bring it back this time. Oh and he gave gosh. his life to the Lord in that moment. And, and Sean, he was instantly saved and then delivered from all of his drugs and alcohol. He's never struggled with drugs wow. or alcohol ever again since that moment. Wow. That now, was 30 did, years ago. Did God give you just a, I mean, I'm sure there's a process, but did God give you just a healing in your heart instantly or was it over time towards him? Because I know like a lot of people who go through this, you hear these powerful stories, but there is a process of like, how do I trust you? I, you know, like I feel <laughs> angry now because now you're okay and I can actually express okay. my anger that I've been holding all these years. Or was it more like, no, we just moved on? I think for us it was both. There was an immediate healing in my heart in that because now he had, well, let's go back. That I, it, there was a healing in that I had this such a trust for the Lord because of my experience that I knew if he'd heard the voice of God, something was changed. Yeah. However, it took time for me to see the manifestation of the deliverance he'd had that he was different within a couple of months because you know he was a drug addict and alcoholic he drank every weekend he smoked weed three times a day every wow. day 
he did coke all weekend long. So in a couple of weeks, I could see something had changed. Wow. And But the process for us was healing as a family because there was, you know, your, your children are, are damaged. I mean, my children didn't really understand what had gone on because they were very little. You know, they were yeah. probably, when this happened, they were two, four, and six-ish. Um, I was only... Well, when we separated and got back together, I was 25. This wow. is four years later. So we're we're really young, and our children are very young. And um, so, but, you know, there's an atmosphere in the family that now needs to heal and change. Yeah. We had to start, um, we had to start learning how to communicate differently and live like Christians. We'd never done that. And um, between the two of us, we were, we were very sick. You know, you don't, you don't marry an alcoholic and a drug addict and not know it unless you have an issue. And of course I did. I told you the trauma that I'd been through. And so there was a lot of healing in both of us that we had to walk through at that point. And then we had to heal the way we communicated and the way that we walked with the Lord. But we, we found a church right away. It was one of the first things we did. And we found, you know, that I'm a four square pastor and we found a four square church. Um, and we didn't know what that was. And the church that we uh, started going to, even though it was uh, it was a Pentecostal church, but we had no idea what that meant because it was seeker sensitive <laughs> at the time. Yeah, you know, so there was no there was no Holy Spirit. It might as well have been the Baptist church I was raised in down the street. You know, and um, and that's that's sort of how that started. And f- about four years after that happened someone in this Pentecostal seeker sensitive church heard about the miracle that had happened in our lives and invited me to come to a women's retreat and give my testimony. And so I, <laughs> I'm going to let you in on a secret. I, <laughs> I hated women's ministry. I just thought it was so stupid. <laughs> I really awesome. did. I, because, you know, I worked in the secular world. I had lived a secu- basically a secular life. And when I visited the women's ministry, it was all about how to homeschool your children and how to <laughs> separate separate yourself from the world. And, I, you know, I loved my career. And I had, I had gone to school for my career. And, wow. and most of my friends were, were really not believers at the time, you know. And so um, it didn't have much relevance for me in that moment. And, um, and I was so, you know, I'm very, a very direct person and, uh, and a very bold, you know, so it was sort of not a good <laughs> fit so for me. Funny. And, um, you know, I tried mop, mops, I think one time and whoa, that just did not work for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so anyway, but I felt like God deserved glory for what he had done, you know, and I went to this woman's retreat and. When I went to the women's retreat, gave my um, testimony. This is where God really started everything else. Cause I, I gave my testimony. I got down, and there was a young girl. She was about twenty. I think now I'm thirty-four years old. About this time, and this young girl, she's about twenty, came up to me, and she was uh, had been involved in Rama Bible College and some of these um, like um, faith-based places down in uh, the south and she was part of our church now she's about 20 and she says to me uh kim this can't be right but um i keep feeling like the holy spirit's asked me to lay hands on you for the baptism of the holy spirit but you've had that (laughs) i looked at her i said no no i didn't isn't that thing that has to do with tongues i think that i think i was taught that was from the devil (laughs) 
she, she looked at me like didn't know what to say. You know, it was so awkward moment. And I said, well, let me tell you, you can try. Because I'd heard God's voice. And so something about what I had learned when I was a kid, obviously there was more, you know. And if he, there was more, I wanted it. So she laid hands on me and that I had a radical, radical infilling of the Holy Spirit. And it was, I was sobbing and weeping and I ran mm. out of the room. I ran back to my, my uh, hotel room and I am just, just sobbing, weeping. And over the next two days, it was like God opened my ears and I started hearing that voice. And during a time of communion, they asked us to just listen and ask God if he wanted to speak to us. I asked him to, and I heard that voice. But this time it was a small, still voice on the inside, like God speaking to my heart and my mind. I didn't hear the audible voice, but I, I heard him. He called me to full-time ministry. I, I was a wreck the whole weekend. I was just a wreck. By the time I came home, my husband was like, who are you? Where did my Where did my wife go? I, I, what, what is going on here? It was really a, a very profound experience. Wow. And so when did, when did it happen for him or what, how did you bring oh. that to him or did, did it happen on his own? Well, you know, I was so excited and I told him everything and he was like, you're not bringing this into our house. Wow. You are not so going to tell children. Oh yeah. He, he totally had the opposite uh, reaction and he was very oppositional for a long time. I mean, he'll tell you, you know, we give our testimony many places and uh, for a long time, um, for a long time, he felt like, um, I had was just, this was just something I wanted and I was wrapping it in a, in the God package oh, okay. so that he didn't have a choice. Oh you know? yeah. Down because really like, we had a plan, you, you know, we'd gone through all this stuff, right. And we'd healed and all this stuff. So now, you know, he's, he was a fireman. My husband was 30 years in the fire department in Pasadena and, uh, actually was a battalion chief and uh, when he retired and um we we had a plan you know as a nurse he's a fireman we're going to work our 30 years and we're going to go on vacation for the rest of our life <laughs> yes. so what do you mean you're going to be a minister oh my <laughs> what does gosh. that mean so it was um it was actually that you know was a very uh it was really hard that that all that that's a whole different kind of heart that was a yeah. different because um i think most people when one spouse has an encounter and the other one hasn't um it's very it's very it's very difficult because um once you have an encounter like i i was compelled i i couldn't do anything else besides follow god i and that same passion that i had that moment that he called me I, I still have, I live with it every single day. Wow. I, I'm sure you feel the same. Yeah. Don't you feel the same? Absolutely. Something happens and you, God is, is more real than, than anything else in life. I, I, and the desire to please him and the, the, it always makes me cry. I feel so grateful every day that God saved my life and saved my marriage and, after all the things that I did, I lived, I, I did not live the Christian life. I, I did things that I would deeply regret later on that I know I'm forgiven for and I don't hurt over them anymore. But it just makes me so aware that um, 
that God is so kind and He yeah. is so good and that he, he He still wanted to use my life. I am incredibly, I'm grateful every single day and I'm aware that I'm not worthy of this calling and that only His His life in my life makes me any kind of valuable. It's so beautiful. It's so real. I think, I think just it being in your husband's shoes and many people might be in one side or the other of the story. Um, it is really hard when somebody has such a deep God encounter and you're not at the same place. Yes. And I, the fact that you guys stuck it out with each other shows the quality of love or the depth of love you guys have for each other. And obviously your husband not only came around, but is in full support, you know, Yes, I just he's think my greatest cheerleader. I know, yes. it's just so amazing. But it's it's good to hear the story, though, because, I mean, I think when people see someone following God in a radical way, there's usually a radical process that's happened in their life. Yes. And it's just so beautiful to hear some of your process. But I'm going to go uh, a little bit, I'm going to flash forward a little bit, because I know okay. there's, of course, a story of when God actually called you into the prophetic for the nations. And yep. Cindy Jacobs confirmed it uh, several years yep. later. and. And, you know, you start going this trajectory towards ministry and you're a pastor, but you're also going towards like, okay, I'm more than a pastor. Like something's going on. I'm, I'm called to the nations. And then yes. a doctoral program opens up <laughs> and God yeah. starts to speak to you about going to school. And this, this is really fascinating to me because I have a lot of friends right now that are going back to school. And yeah. what, t- tell us about that. Like, tell us about the whole process. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I was, um, you know, the first time when God called me to seminary, I think that was in 2002, I was pastoring and walking in that whole, uh, I was serving in the church, let's say, and, and all of those things. And, you know, you go through so many tests, right? And, and I'm seeing the bigger picture because I know that God has said to me from the very beginning, I'm going to take you around the world and you're going to preach and you're going to speak and you're going to prophesy to the nations. And then Cindy Jacobs confirmed that. But I haven't seen... I mean, I totally believed him, and I am doing everything that he's asking me to do day by day, year by year, but I haven't seen him open up a nation. As a matter of fact, I'd only preached in my church, you know, and um, and I'd gone to school for my master's degree because God asked me to, and um, but I'm still, not, I'm still not seeing that thing, and yeah. in 2010, um, I think I told you this already, but I, I had, I'd been preaching in my church, but I was preaching... Um, like once every two months, okay, in my church, because I was not the senior pastor, I was the number two guy. And uh, so I was the senior executive pastor. And, um, and I was well beloved in my church and loved it there. But um, in 2010, I'd only preached one time outside the church. And that was at Life Pacific College. That's the Foursquare College in San Dimas, and at their chapel service. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm starting to really question God. It's been nearly 20 years you know it's been 18 years or something and i um well i called in 1994 2010 and so it's been several years and i'm like lord 11 years or whatever it is and i said lord i i don't get it and um and i have a prophetic dream one night and i am not really a dreamer it's not the the a center of my prophetic gift but i do have prophetic dreams like once or twice a year and when i do they're usually profound and they're usually directional for me so i have this prophetic dream and in the dream i am a dance i'm i'm the age that i was at the time in my in my early 50s and i well just about 50 and i and i'm i'm dressed in a tutu 
Okay. And I don't look so cute, but I'm having a great time. And I am being chosen to learn a brand new dance for a brand new season. And I wake up from the dream and I I knew immediately because as I'm waking up, God always speaks to me about the interpretation. And he says, you're going to learn a new dance. It's a new, I'm going to add theologically to you and, um, and you're going to go to back to school to learn some new things. And I, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I, I, <laughs> That's what know. my reaction would be as well. <laughs> yeah, you've got to be kidding me. I, I'm going to go back to school. That only means a doctoral program because I ju- I've already finished my master's degree, right? And it takes a ton of time and oh, a ton so of money. Work. And uh, yeah, and I'm like, Lord, I, I'm working full time. I have three grown children. I have five grandchildren. And now you want me to go to school full time. Holy smoke. So I, I write down the interpretation and I go to my computer and I sit at my computer and I open up my computer and there is a flyer, a newsletter from Randy Clark that says that he is starting a brand new doctoral program and they're going to study the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The wind, there's like this wind comes in the room and practically knocks me out of my chair. Now, how much and did you I know about Randy Clark? Like for those Nothing. Are, people who are listening, he's a, he's an amazing minister who Kim's involved with now in her ministry. But I mean, Randy, I mean, he is in some ways in the charismatic church, it could be a household name, but probably a lot of our listeners have, would have never heard of him before. Yes. Randy Clark, um, is a, he, an apostolic leader who started out as a healing evangelist. And he's the one that was instrumental. God used him to, uh, launch the Toronto outpouring. Yeah. And he, uh, he's been involved with Vineyard and he's been a pastor, but now he, for, since Toronto, he was involved in that revival. And then he has traveled the world, um, with a healing, a, a very profound uh, healing, probably powerful. one of the most profound cause he, he can reproduce it. Like he yes. helps people and he does training schools and then it's before yes. and after moment. But you didn't know that at the time. I didn't know any of that. I was a Foursquare pastor in a Foursquare <laughs> church, and I knew Foursquare stuff. And so I didn't know anything about, really, I didn't know a lot about the charismatic movement. I wasn't really very involved in that. I'd heard of Che An, and I had visited uh, his church, and I knew of Lou Engle, and I had met Cindy Jacobs um, once at a conference. She called me out uh, when I was out there. But other than that, I didn't know him. But my team had gone up, and they had um, gone to a healing uh a, a healing uh, teachings that he had done up at a church in Camarillo near us. And um, and so they signed us up, the leadership up for the newsletter. And I had been, was sick or was with my family and I hadn't gone to that. So I still didn't really know who he was. But when the Holy Spirit came on me and I'd had the prophetic dream, I knew I was supposed to apply. Wow. So I applied to this doctoral program. I had all the all the prerequisites because I, you know, had a formal master's of divinity and all that kind of stuff. And um, later, I found out there was nearly 300 people applied to this, be in part of this cohort, this very first cohort. Um, and Randy chose 18 people, and he chose me to be a part. And so I had this incredible opportunity for three years to be part of a cohort with him. And he was also getting his, he was part of the cohort. Yeah, that's, what, that's the, what's fascinating is that he was part yeah. of it and several other key leaders. Yeah, Roland Baker, Heidi who Baker's I didn't husband. know. I had, yeah. And, uh, so, so I was part of this amazing time and it was toward the end of that cohort and, uh, that I became very good friends with Randy, with Roland Baker, with Alan Hawkins and these 
uh, Rodney Hogue, these people who are my very close friends now. And, um, and toward the end, toward the end of the, it was actually Alan who one day we were in sitting in our cohort and, and um, I had been very quiet. You know, I, I'm not very like, uh, I, I have this prophetic gift and you should listen to me. I just think that's stupid. I don't <laughs> yeah. ever do that. I was there to learn and so I wasn't there to promote myself. I don't usually like that anyway. And um, But toward the end, um, they'd gotten to know me quite a bit and Alan said in, in the midst of the cohort one day, Kim, um, I know you have a prophetic gift, but we never hear from you. What are you seeing for our nation? And I said a couple things and the Holy Spirit dropped into the room ah. and that was it. That was it. He went and told Randy. Randy came and saw me. They had me go out to Alan's church, and and I preached for like the second time outside of my <laughs> church. And the Holy Spirit wrecked the church, and um, and there was just major like manifestation, which had never happened to me before either. Although um, I had prophesied very much and the power of God I'd seen the power of God but I'd never healed any I mean not God never healed anyone through me or anything yet and um and so then that was it then Randy you know started inviting me to the nations and that's all she wrote so that's it and <laughs> that's it, so God fulfilled that word finally uh that was in 2013 and I've been walking in the fullness of my calling ever since and um it, you know, so 25 years ago, God said, and then 20 years later, he fulfilled the world word in fullness. That's, I, I love to, I want to just draw some lines for yeah. our listeners in the sense of just how key obedience was in your years of walking with the Lord and how you heard God. But there was a place of you that I think of Mary, how she treasured and pondered the word of the Lord in her heart. Like she kept yeah. it in there and how, when God spoke to you to go to a doctorate program, how crazy that must have felt in the sense of you're already doing ministry, but there was a leap he wanted you to make out of faith. You had no idea you're going to be studying with these guys and they would be like brothers, you know, to help open doors and connect things in your life. And that, and through that you're, you're connecting other people's lives and, and networking other people for kingdom purpose. I don't, I mean, you just couldn't have seen that. Or even with your going back to your husband, all the way back in the beginning of the story, like going back to him for four years, talk about, tenacity to obey a word like I think I would have yeah. been at peace out like thanks God I gave you three months you know I'm out you know if my wife was a drug addict I'm out you know where which sounds terrible right. but it's just being honest like there's something exactly. inside of you that you paid a price to listen to yes. God and I think sometimes when we talk about hearing God's voice we don't always hear that there is a price tag attached of obedience and right. trust and it, yes. it is a real relationship and it does take time and there was a process. I remember when you, one year, this the late great John Paul Jackson, one of the prophets of, you know, up until just I think he passed away maybe seven years ago. Um, he he said, and when I was fifteen years old, he said, "It takes twenty years once God gives you a real promise for it to be fulfilled." <laughs> and I go, "It's not going to take me twenty years." That guy's just right. he's just old and crotchety. You know? <laughs> right, right. He was probably my age when he said it, uh, and I'm like, you know, twenty <laughs> twenty five years later, I'm like are we going to start yet, God, you know, on certain things and then other things I feel like right. I'm in my promised land. But, you know, it's just so funny how the, I hear your story and I just hear process and I hear patience and I hear, but it comes out of a relational place, not just grit. And I really yeah. appreciate that about you. And I really appreciate your story. Thanks. Well, tell no, us about I, the book. I'm going to go there because I want to make sure that we hear, you've wrote a book okay. and this, I loved it. I got to read it. And so tell us about it. Please read it. <laughs> I want to, okay, and I will. I just want to say one quick thing. Tell me. 
I I love your breakthrough book, and I oh, and I know I I know you don't need me to promote it or anything like that, and that's not what this really is. But um, I have for years um, done the same sort of thing heard the voice of God, right? And then write out prayers and write out declarations and yes. then say them out loud. And it is so important to do that because some words take time and you and some words don't come to pass the way you think, right? I had no idea when God took me to school that that's how he was going to open the doors to yeah. the nations. Yeah. All I knew was that I was following God at his voice the very best I could. And Every time he opened a door for me, I would walk through it and watch for how he's fulfilling that previous word, how he was going to fulfill that overarching word. But the whole time I'm doing that, I was doing the things that you have written about in your breakthrough book. And as a matter of fact, I have a I have a thick notebook full still of words that I'm waiting to see come to pass that I make declarations over. Yeah. And it's part of the persevering process, I think. Yeah. And so I just wanted to say that. No, I pre- um, I, I'm hoping to one day write out a process for people of just, here's how you write prayers out of your words and here's how you make declarations and find scriptures. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to do kind of like, but I appreciate that because we, when we did the breakthrough book, it's, it's for this very purpose that people learn how to stand on their prophecies and really yeah. walk through and believe for their fullness because it is, you know, someone has always said waiting on the Lord and it's very passive and I've, I'm yeah. not a passive person. I'm like, I'm, a, I'm not aggressive in my personality, but I'm aggressive in my goals. And I'm so I'm immediately like, no, I, I'm going to go after this. I'm going to do something in the in-between time and for exactly real. Like, right. And so I, I think the breakthrough book for me came out of, you know, it's 12 different areas of people's lives that we all have in common to say, let's pray for breakthrough over finances, over family, over mental health, over physical health, exactly. and just go after it. But it really did come from how I pray, you know, how I pray with God. And so I pr- thank right. you so much for even saying that. But, okay, you yeah. tuned my horn. So I appreciate it. Okay. But I, I right, do want to hear about your book because this is okay, a really so key my book. book. Yes, my book, Prophetic Community, God's Called for All to Minister and His Gifts. I, uh, this book is written from my dissertation. My dissertation uh, is out of my life story, actually, that because I am so passionate about the voice of God. But the thing is, when I, uh, growing up, uh, when I finally entered into the Pentecostal church, what I noticed was that once a year we would pull a prophet in uh, and we would, everybody would, you know, wear a red shirt or sit up a little taller, sit to the front, (laughs) you know, pick me, pick me, pick me. Hopefully that I get a word. Yeah. And, um, and, and then we'd have to wait until the prophet came back, you know, and, but that's not what I was seeing in New Testament scripture. And I didn't completely understand, but after my years of schooling, I was like, this is not what I see in the New Testament. God. Yeah. And so, uh, when I wrote my, when I wrote my dissertation, I wanted to write about the church being a prophetic community. And when I started doing the, the, um, the research, I noticed several, several, two type two categories of books. In the, in the charismatic prophetic church, we have all kinds of books on the gift of prophecy, how yeah. to operate in a gift of prophecy, how to build a prophetic ministry. But we didn't have, not one book did I find on the New Testament church is a prophetic community and what does that mean? Yeah. It's part of our identity. It's not just a ministry. And so um, when I looked at the secular, or not the secular, excuse me, when I looked at the evangelical side of uh, the body of Christ, they had books on what they called prophetic community. They saw the the body of Christ as prophetic community, but prophetic community for them meant 
community activism. Mm -hmm. It had nothing to do with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what this book is really about. It's about our identity as the body of Christ to function as a prophetic community, which means that we actually receive the gift of the of the spirit and the spirit is power and prophecy and we operate in those gifts to advance the kingdom of god and fulfill the mission of christ on the earth and that includes prophesying which which when you look throughout scripture from beginning to end it was always god's intention that that he would have a people who hear his voice and do his words hear his voice and do his words because his words are his work and so when we hear his voice and we obey his word and we speak his word then we are releasing the power of god over everyone we meet and so that's what this book is about it's not just another book about the gift of prophecy and how to build a prophetic community it's about building the entire body of Christ into the and in, in coming into our true identity, so God's voice can be heard in a fresh way, everywhere, all over the earth. We're coming in. You know this, and I know this. We are coming into a season. God is breaking loose all over the earth. We are we are at the forefront of a of a move of God that I don't think anyone has ever seen before, and. I don't even know exactly what to expect. I I see certain things that are happening and beginning to happen, and I'm expecting God to move among women, among among children, and mm-hmm. all these other kinds mm-hmm. of things. But but there is going to be a billion soul harvest. I believe that that Bob Jones used to say that. Yeah, I agree. And I think we're we're about to come into that time. But the church needs to recover not only the priesthood of all believers, but the prophethood. Of all believers, that way, yes. you know, Sean, I don't have to wait till you come to my church and hope that I'm one of the people that you call <laughs> exactly. out, right? Exactly, um, it's a lifestyle. I can get it's a, a I can get a good word, maybe even a better word, from the person sitting next to me in the pew, or yourself. Yes, or myself. I would say we're our and, own best personal prophets. Yes, and anybody else, you know, on the way home, for example, uh, I was just I was just at a great women's women's leaders gathering and on the way home I, I took an uber ride and I so I'm, I'm in the, I get in my car and I say to my uber driver oh what's your name she said my name is Ruth and I, wouldn't you know it I just finished a message on Ruth right huh. and so I knew immediately okay God you want to do something right here you know so being aware right just being aware all the time that God we're I'm a I'm part of the prophetic community so no one should be safe from getting a word from the Lord for me and um and so she starts telling me, yeah, my grandmother named me Ruth and because uh, from the Bible. And I said, oh, I said, well, I said, do you know this about Ruth and this about Ruth? And then, I mean, the Holy Spirit just came and I just said, you're going to do this. God's going to do this, blah, 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 blah. She starts crying so hard she misses the off ramp to the airport. Right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> and so awesome. finally we pulled over and I prayed for her. And then she starts to tell me her story. She was in the Navy. She was working for the government. She ended up, her husband decided to leave her. She ended up homeless. Her children had been traumatized. Uh. She had no work. She didn't have, she was despairing of life. She didn't know what to do. God was just about, just had just started to turn her life around just uh, a month ago. And she got a new job, wasn't making enough. So she was doing Uber on the weekends. And she said that the night before, she had felt from the Lord that someone was going to give her a word of the Lord and tell, give her some direction. She said, and here you are. I can't Oh, my it. gosh. 
I mean, come on. So this awesome. is, but you know, I you don't have to be a prophet to do that, and you don't have to be on platform to do that. This is this is my everyday life. Just getting in and out of a Uber, going to the grocery store, being you know a student at school, and isn't that's a prophetic community? That's how it's supposed to be. I love that. I, I completely agree. It's it's funny because, you know, we both have connections to Bethel Church in Redding, California, and. I just love that. It's been one of the first prototypes that I've been involved with directly that just everybody believes in their own ability to hear from God. And it's really been a beautiful experience to go there and not have to be the prophet. I get to add to versus create. And that's just such a beautiful thing in community because that's what happens with, you know, when a grandparent comes in the house, they don't have to be the parent. And when the parent comes in the house with the kids, if there's older kids, they don't have to do all the work themselves. It's like there's just an order to family. And when we see things in the context of community, I can't wait for your book. It's so important. So people can get it, I'm sure, at all kinds of places that books are sold, but also kimmas.com, K-I-M-M-A-A-S.com. They can get a hold of you, your travel schedule, and yeah. connect to you for for this season. I mean, you're carrying something that's so fresh for right now, and I want to encourage those who are listening, connect to Kim, her her mailing list, uh, her products, her resources, and all sorts of trips. Thanks so much for being on today. This was amazing. Hey, Exploring the Prophetic Family. This is Sean Bowles. And I don't know if you know this, but Bowles Ministries, our ministry, puts together these podcasts for you every week. If you're listening in your car or your gym or at home while you're making your kids lunch for school, wherever you're listening to this, we have done our best to put together a quality podcast to explore the subject of hearing God's voice with you. And we want to continue to do this, and we need your partnership. I want to encourage you, if you're loving the show, if you're connected to the show, there's three ways you can partner. Number one is we would love your prayer support. Pray for us. This is not an easy thing to do week after week after week. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of coordination. And it also takes a lot of spiritual presence, just being present with what God's doing. Number two, financially support us. We would love your financial support and partnership. We have an incredible partnership program where you can engage with a community of people who are partnering with Bulls Ministries to send the message of hearing God's voice around the world. We do events. We do, of course, this podcast. We do all kinds of things that are free things where we give videos online. We do uh, webinars. We do all kinds of things to encourage people to hear God's voice and to activate their gifts, to activate them in the faith it takes to go on this incredible journey. So financially support us by going to bowlsministries.com. And the third way you can help us is to subscribe and also leave a review under the podcast and share it with your friends, share it on your social media platform. Tell your friends about it at work, tell your friends about it at church. And the more you help us, the word of mouth is the most powerful source of engaging the community of people who are hungry for this kind of a subject. So be part of our, our ministry team, our prayer ministry team, our partnership team, but also be a voice for what you're listening to. If you love it, tell the stories of the people who are telling the stories to you. 